You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Patreon. Please consider joining them for $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash The Whole Church Podcast. So... Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 states, And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, till we all attain to the unity of the faith. How can these church offices build the body to attain unity? I think that scripture provides us with that answer. We are many parts belonging to all one body. We all have different roles to play. We discern those through spiritual growth. We discern those also in community with other Christians. Ours is a communal faith. Ours is a faith in which we journey together in growth and spirituality, where we learn to utilize our charisms, utilize our gifts, but also recognize them in other people and bring them out. So we all play those roles um, and we all contribute. You know, we can't hide our, you know, light under a basket. When we've discerned that what we are doing as it, whether it's evangelical, apostolic, um, that we're doing it for the greater glory of God and service to the people of God and not to inflate our egos or to be self-aggrandizing, then we should be doing those things and we shouldn't be hiding those gifts. Hey guys, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. As always, we're glad to have you. I'm one of your co-hosts, Joshua Noll, here with your other co-host, the one and only TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and today we are continuing our church offices series. This is part three. We're going to talk about the office of the pastor, um, how it's different from teacher, preacher, priest, kind of dig into the weeds of what all a pastor does and what all a pastor shouldn't be doing. What all should you be doing until your pastor's not doing it? We're going to talk about that today. Um, before we do, we asked our Facebook group what you guys thought about the format of this series and... If you, you guys would like to see more, you guys voted that you loved it and would love to see more. And Christian Ashley, longtime listener, guest of the show for one episode, episode 102. Go back and listen to that. He commented on there and he said, always willing to help with input for your show. It's normally the highlight of my week. Thank you, Christian. That means a lot. Everybody else, comment. Let us know what you guys think of the show. We'll read it on here. Even if you're like, this show's stupid, we'll definitely read that. Because I think that's funny. But yeah, we, we really appreciate the feedback anytime. Right. And we wanted to give a special shout out to our patrons. Austin, Russell, Sandra, Lily, Jeannie, Aaron, Justin, Frida, Taryn, and Dawn. Yeah. And I always have to put the caveat on when we do this kind of episode. Um, not everyone who's participating would have would be willing to work alongside or have worship with Every other guest that's on here, a lot of them would not agree with one another enough to be able to do that right now. Um, however, we are hoping 
that we can build towards unity. So one day we can all share in a giant worship service, which we know eventually will happen in heaven. But we're not there yet. We're building towards it. And as always, we have a silly question. And with this series, you are required to watch the Barnyard movie before jumping in here. I say that knowing that I don't know the answer to this question. TJ, if any animal from Barnyard were to be the pastor of the Barnyard Church, who would it be? Well, uh, the obvious answer is Ben, Otis's dad. But... Yeah. Uh, Okay, I see that. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen the movie that came out in 2008, I think uh, Ben does die. So I'm not sure if that counts. But he is the clear count. Yeah, it it would clearly be Ben. Uh, For supplemental viewing purposes, Um, you can also watch the Emmy Award winning show back at the barnyard uh, to help aid you in these questions. Wait, it was Emmy award winning? I think it won two. Do we know why? Uh, one was for writing. I don't remember the other All one. Right. I... Man, I can't find the name of this character. The other dog, the the one that you had be Deacon, the older dog. Mm. Is it Otis? Is that his name? No. I can't remember his name. Anyway, I'm going to go with the older of the two dogs. If I had to pick one of the animals to be the pastor of the barnyard church. Yeah, which will make more sense when you hear Pastor Will talk about sheep dogs. Well... I got to say, Duke the dog is the sheep dog. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, but I already used him. You did. Also, now it's just bothering me that I can't remember the old dog's name. Everett. Good name. Anyway, in the upcoming clips, we ask our guests how they would define a pastor. Uh, Later on, we'll ask them the difference between a pastor and a teacher and how the office of the pastor functions in their individual denominations. Uh, Finally, we ask them how they can relate to pastors of other traditions. And you'll hear clips from Sister Rose, a nun at the at none of the Catholic Church who runs the Catholic campus ministry at UNCW. Professor Chris Moreland, who is a religion professor at that same school. Father Jonathan Resmini, a priest at the Holy Trinity Orthodox Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Reverend Steve Lonklow, an Anglican priest working as a chaplain with the U.S. Navy. Joe Day, a leader of a home church and a host of the Buddy Walk with Jesus podcast. Pastor Will Rose of the Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Pastor Gary Adkins of Harvest Ministries Church of God of Prophecy, a Pentecostal tradition for those unaware, located in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Reverend Kino Kennedy of the Union Bethel AME Zion Church in Cornelius, North Carolina, and Dr. Russell Moore, Director of Christianity Today's Public Theology Project and a minister in residence at Emmanuel Nashville, an interdenominational church. Uh, He comes from the Baptist tradition. Uh, Most of our guests actually define the office of the pastor pretty much the same. Uh, So we selected a couple of clips that we thought were exemplary of what all of our guests had to say. 
Pastor Will Rose, how do you define a pastor yourself? Yeah, I, that is a part <laughs> of my title here at Holy Trinity. I'm pa- uh, Pastor Will Rose. Uh, some uh, kids and teenagers may think my first name is Pastor. My last name is Will, but that's not true. That's just my titer, <laughs> title. I'm Will Rose, and I'm I'm called to be pastor here Um at Holy Trinity. And, and so I am ordained to be uh, a pastor of word and sacrament. So I oversee preaching, teaching, and also over the sacraments of baptism and Holy Communion. The word pastor is another word. Um, I think it's, it's Latin uh, for to shepherd. So a pastor, as a, a shepherd. So you could easily call me Shepherd Will as uh, uh, as well as Pastor Will. That does and sound. So I'm, yeah, Shepherd Will. You know, there's some geeky stuff out there with uh, things Shepherd Book. You know, a little Easter <laughs> egg there. But yeah, uh, Shepherd Will. And and so if you think of me as a pastor, I am I am a person who oversees the flock here at Holy Trinity, the the disciples of Jesus who gather here on a weekly basis for worship. For word and sacrament, uh, I oversee and tend the pasture here at Holy Trinity. So, so I'm the shepherd. And another part of that word, looking at that a little deeply in, in the Latin, is someone who feeds. Like the 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 intent is someone who feeds a flock. So a shepherd not only tends to it but feeds it. So I feed my flock at Holy Trinity with God's word and and say Holy Communion. Uh, both on Sunday and, and throughout the week. Uh, I also make the joke sometimes that uh, I'm not necessarily the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the main pastor. He's the main shepherd. I'm just the sheep dog who barks <laughs> at my uh, flock to make sure they stay close to the shepherd and don't get lost. So uh, I, I try it sometimes. Uh, I try not to um, bark too loud, or my bark is worse than my bite. But but yeah, I'm I'm sheepdog will or or shepherd will, pasture will. We also asked Pastor Gary Atkins of Harvest Ministries Church of God of Prophecy, a Pentecostal tradition, how he defined the role of pastor. I've often seen a pastor's role as almost like a. Uh, the engineer on a train. His job is to keep the train on the tracks. Josh, and you know this, everybody on the train, on the gospel train, the church train, if you will, may be at different levels. You may have some people that know a lot of God's word, and you may have some other people just know the very, very basics, okay? And if you brought up a critical issue to some of those individuals, they might even know what you're talking about. But you know what they do? They get on a train, And they trust the guy at the front that he's going to keep us heading the right direction, get us there on time, and keep us on the tracks. The pastor's role is to work in the Word of God, to spend time in prayer, to stay close to the Lord, to hear from heaven, and to keep his people safe, to proclaim the the pure Word of God, to proclaim the pure salvation of God, to preach against wolves, to run them off when they get close, and to keep his people protected so that he can get them safely home to the Lord. Uh, some of those people may be wanderers, <laughs> but the good pastor is going to take his rod, his staff, and get them back in line, help them to get together with the people of God, keep moving forward. For longtime listeners of the show, you may remember, we used to have a segment on the show called Train Talk. 
I did not put Pastor up to this. <laughs> I know I was outvoted on continuing train talk. Here we are. Yeah. So given some of those standard definitions, uh, what we just heard from Pastor Will and Pastor Gary, uh, TJ, what do you think it means when people use pastor as a verb, when they're like to pastor someone? What does that mean? See, to me, it evokes like the idea of specifically spiritual advice. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I think that falls in line with what most of our guests said mostly yeah yeah like spiritual advice kind of like guiding you in life decisions kind of stuff i I could see that yeah um so what would be an example of someone pastoring other people if you had to do like an example of that like a pop culture reference no uh well if you've ever been to a church and uh this dude walked up on the stage and he started yelling uh he was probably the pastor he was pastoring people then but (laughs) uh man i don't know is it i think all of the examples i can think of are just pastors doing pastoral work yeah um i i would say uh here here's one if you have a lady at your church who maybe isn't a pastor but she helps with youth ministry or something and one of the kids Found you recently found out lost their mother or something, and they kind of step in with guidance of what they should do and how to handle that. That is pastoring. Whether you're be whether you are a pastor or not, that is the act of pastoring. I would say. Mm, right. All right. So when we asked about the difference of being a pastor and a teacher, uh, we got some variety in definitions, but a lot more variety was seen in how people prioritize the different functions of the office of a pastor. Uh, We even had guests who had added on distinctions of what a preacher is, and a priest is separate from pastor and teacher. But uh, here's some of the answers we got. First, we asked Professor Chris Moreland how he defines the role of a pastor. Here he distinguishes the difference of a pastor and a priest. A pastor is someone who has been called apart, set aside to minister to the people of God as a shepherd to care for their spiritual needs. And in our church, the term pastor is very much the same as priest. So Christians can be pastoral without being pastors, but a priest is both a priest and a pastor. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really does get into that imagery of the sort of shepherding of souls. The good shepherd, you know, our ultimate pastor, of course, is Christ Jesus, uh, the good shepherd. And uh, they are called to minister to their flocks, um, to comfort, warn, rescue (laughs) at times. So, yeah. We also asked Reverend Kino Kennedy, of the AME Zion Church, what differences he saw between a pastor and a teacher. Reverend Kino, what is the difference between a pastor and a teacher? So, to make it simple, a pastor is someone who is a shepherd. 
and is looking after the individuals under their care. A teacher is somebody who just uh, presents the knowledge, give the knowledge, and then that's it. That's all they're doing. Uh, so, so to be a te- to be a pastor means that you have the charge of these folks that are under you, and you have the responsibility of making sure that their needs are being met, whether it's spiritual, emotional, physical, financial, whatever it is. Just to make sure their needs are being met. But if you're a teacher, hey, I can I can come to you, present to whatever I need to present, and I'm going home. I ain't got to worry about nothing else. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at this from both my spiritual angle and I'm looking at it from my professional angle as a professor. I would say that a pastor um, is a teacher also of spiritual growth. I think teaching is an aspect of a pastor, but it is not there, as they say in sociology, their quote unquote master status. What they do more than anything is being a pastor, being a priest. Teaching is sort of a second level category. Um, And as a teacher, in some ways myself, um, you know, particularly since I work at a secular university, I do not provide uh, and am not allowed to uh, spiritual advice to my students or to oversee their spiritual uh, development in their denominations. Now, were that then diagrams with mental health or best practices, that's a totally different story. We asked Joe Day, a leader of the home church movement, and also one of the co-hosts of Systematic Ecology and host of Buddy Walk with Jesus, how he would define the difference of a pastor and a teacher. Generally speaking, in our set, there we empower, we we like to be disciples making disciples. So we empower what other churches call um, maybe lay people, you know, the the congregants and all of that. There's it's way more of an all hands on deck sort of feel. So. Oftentimes, we have congregants speaking and getting involved in all of those kinds of things, and then kind of ahead ahead of the the people who are speaking are our teachers, our elders, you know that that sort of model where you know we can empower other people, but the the direction of the church ultimately is attributed to God, but God has the leadership in place from a flesh and blood sense to direct and shepherd and all. Next, we asked Reverend Steve Lonklow, a Navy chaplain of the Anglican tradition, what he thought the difference of a pastor, a teacher, and a priest was. Okay, so you mentioned that a um, a pastor isn't an office in your church, a priest is. What is the difference between a priest, a pastor, and a teacher? Mm. 
That's a great question. A priest is what a person is ordained to. So priest comes from the word presbyter, which is often translated in the New Testament as elder. They're the elders of the church. And the, the elders are, they are given a certain authority to preach and teach. They're given an authority to lead the church services. They're given authority to celebrate the sacraments within the church. Um, in my tradition, uh, we are also given authority following John chapter 20, uh, which is where Jesus breathes on his disciples. He breathes on them the Holy Spirit and, who, and says, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Whoever sins you retain, they are retained. Uh, that is spoken over priests in, in my tradition uh, at their ordination service. So priests are given this special authority to uh, hear confessions and to offer the words of absolution on behalf of Christ. Um, th that is also, uh, by the way, something that deacons are not allowed to do. So, so priests do the, the ABCs of ministry, which is A, they absolve sin. Uh, through the sacrament of uh, reconciliation, sometimes called the sacrament of confession. Uh, B, they bless. That is that that they they bring Christ's blessing to bear upon people. We also bring Christ's blessing to bear upon objects. So like making holy water, uh, things like that, which we use in our services. I use that when I'm uh, praying blessings over houses. I've been doing house blessings. I'll sprinkle hol holy water around the house and inviting uh, the Holy Spirit to come and dwell that space. We also do uh, the C for ABCs is consecrate. So priests consecrate the elements for Holy Communion. That is, they lead the, the Lord's Supper. They officiate that. Uh, that is something that, that deacons do not do. Though, as I said earlier, deacons can bring uh, the bread and wine <laughs> yeah. to, to people. Um, so that, that's unique for the priests. They, they have, whereas deacons are outward focused, priests are inward focused in, in the church. So priests are focused on word and sacrament ministry. So when it comes to the office, the, or I should say the functions of pastoring and teaching, priests do a lot of that. So priests are, are functionally the pastors, that is the shepherds of their churches. They are offering the leadership um, and they are also teaching as far as uh, preaching, uh, teaching Bible studies, uh, leading things like that. Now, I, I would draw a distinction between pastors and teachers a little bit. Uh, pastors implies a care for souls, that it's a holistic spiritual care for a person. Um, whereas a teacher is someone who is imparting knowledge to another person. So, for example, a seminary professor may be called a teacher, right? And they, they might actually be ordained uh -huh. to be a priest and are uh, se senior pastors of their church or maybe associate pastors at their churches. But they're also a seminary professor and the bulk of their job is 40 hours a week at their, at their seminary teaching. Now, as a teacher or as a professor, they're not really caring for souls in the way that a pastor uh -huh. is caring for souls. We asked Dr. Russell Moore how he saw the difference between a pastor, a teacher, and even a preacher. All right. Uh, what is the difference between a pastor and a teacher? 
Uh, I think the, the difference between pastor and, and teacher would be in terms of um, ongoing levels of responsibility uh, within within the church. Um, and so I think there's I, I, I don't I'm a little reluctant on that one simply because I remember in my context growing up, um, I would hear, you know, my grandmother and my great aunt and other people talking about uh, pastor and say, well, he's not really a preacher. He's a teacher. And what they meant by that is he doesn't scream. <laughs> so that, that's kind of the yeah. difference between preaching and teaching. And I that's uh, an artificial distinction. But I think you have you have some people who are gifted to teaching uh, within the church who are not called or equipped to sort of lead the church uh, ongoingly in word and sacrament or ordinances, however you want to see it. Um, but they are gifted to, to teach. So I, that, would, that would be the distinction I would make. I would, I would say that every pastor is a teacher, but not every teacher is a pastor. This is Pastor Gary Atkins again, telling us how he sees the importance of preaching. There are two different words in the New Testament for preaching and teaching. Teaching is uh, it's didactic. We're, we're just trying to give instruction. Uh, it comes in different forms, but it's just basically giving instruction. Preaching, the New Testament word I think is caruso or careso, and it's more of a proclamation. It's the idea of a herald uh, in the old world walking out with uh, instructions from the king he has someone blow a trumpet, and then he unrolls the scroll and says, Hear ye, hear ye, thus says the king. He shouts it out. It's not a you know, question-answer time. It's not a, what do you think about this? It's thus says the king. You need to listen up. This is what he wants you to know today. There is a unique role for preaching in the church. One of my fears, Josh, is that role's going away. I was just at a major conference in Charlotte, North Carolina, and one of the keynote speakers spoke on this very issue of the loss of the power of the pulpit. And he's a big national speaker. He's written many books. You would, Your folks would know him if I mentioned his name. But he was asked by another church to come interview. And one of the things they asked him was, you're not going to get up front and preach at us for 40 minutes, are you? They wanted more of a question-answer, kind of open flow. And he said, no, it's exactly what I'm going to do because that's what I'm called to do. The preacher and the pastor walks to the pulpit sometimes and unrolls the scroll and says, hear ye, hear ye, this is what the king has said. Doesn't matter what you think or what I think, the king just gave a proclamation. Then there's times for teaching. It's still the same uh, authority, but it's in a different mode. You can be a teacher without being a pastor, but you can't be a pastor without being a teacher. Okay? So there is such a thing as a teacher that's not a pastor. He's just gifted with that ability to teach the people of God the Word of God. Yeah. In my time attending Charleston Southern University, I had a few professors who were fulfilling that pastor role at the school. You know, they yeah. wouldn't call them that. They'd call yeah. them teachers still, but that's what they were doing. There. Yeah taking kids in and, you know, helping them find the right way. And um, I've known pastors who were really just teaching from the pulpits. I've mm -hmm. seen both of those things. Yeah. 
is there a danger in getting these two roles confused? Yes, it's just what I said. Like I said, I'm telling you, Josh, this conference was at a huge church over in the Charlotte area. Good people had gathered. I'm talking about from around the country. Flew in from everywhere. It was packed. Um, and this man gave an anointed message that we have to get back to preaching to our pulpits. Mm-hmm. We've lost it in many places, and we've become, like you said, a teacher when folks need a preacher sometimes, and they are different different giftings, okay? Like I said, I believe every pastor has a gift to teach, but he also needs to have a gift to preach, okay? And I think that's important. Yeah. So from those clips, um, and brother just kind of talking about what a preacher is, what a priest is, what all that, a couple things stood out to me. Um, one was the ABCs of ministry that uh, Reverend Lonclo talks about for a priest and um, what's that, how a priest absolves sins, blesses things. And then um, what was the, what was the C? Is it confirmation? Consecration. What was it? Anyway, uh, what really stood out to me was the A of that um, and how like Anglicans, Orthodox and Catholics all absolve sin because, you know, Jesus gave the disciples authority to forgive and to hold on to people's sins. And that one verse that they use for that. um, Our church doesn't do anything like that because it seems like you're giving power to the person as opposed to God. But. I do realize these traditions do see it as God ultimately doing it, and they're just kind of stepping in for that role. It's just something that we don't do. So that's the ABCs of ministry, um, blessing, holy water, all of that. It's just not something that pastors in our tradition have done. So that was interesting to me. Um, Then Pastor Atkins said that it was dangerous to get the distinctions of preaching and teaching confused. Naturally, that really stood out when he's um, talking about the importance of the hear ye, hear ye, thus says the king kind of stuff, Um, especially in contrast to Dr. Moore, who was saying a lot of people, the real difference is preaching is just screaming, and that's not an actual difference. (laughs) So that contrast was kind of interesting. Um, Did anything stick out to you from the distinctions that everybody made? So I think the most interesting thing to me was uh, Keno, Reverend Keno Kennedy, uh, saying, teacher, you're just a teacher. You just show up to teach. That's it. Just know what you got to <laughs> tell them. Tell them and leave. I thought that was that was pretty entertaining, especially if you know about the AME Zion Church. And if you don't, we have an episode about it, so go check that out. Uh, but they are an awfully organized people, so that makes a ton of sense to me. So you have a well-defined <laughs> role, yeah. you're going to do it. That's it. But I think yeah. that's it as far as yeah. really stood out to me. There are very few things that Kino can say that doesn't at least make you smile a little bit. Yeah, yeah. he's he's he, you know guy. he w- he would have been a great charismatic pastor, but you know I'm not trying to sway his denomination. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> next we ask our guest about the responsibilities of a pastor or priest of their church.
we asked Father Jonathan what a priest does in his tradition. He is a priest of the Holy Trinity Orthodox Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. So would that be the office that you, you hold then? I do. So I'm not a confessor, though. There's different orders of priests based on how long you've been a priest. And so I haven't been a priest long enough for uh, for me to have that office of priesthood, which is confessor. Um, but I can hear confessions in emergencies. When I go to summer camp, I have the blessing to hear the, the confessions of youth, usually because, you know, yeah. It's, it, I mean, a lot of times it's easier, but I mean, sometimes, it, I mean, to be honest, it's really not. I don't know why I can hear kids' confessions that are going through all the stuff they are. And like the parents, like, you know, their, you know, their stuff's probably a lot easier based on what I've heard. Um, but, uh, but I am, you know, I do have the, the preaching aspect of it, the ministry of the sacrament. I can, you know, conduct a service. Now in the Orthodox Church, I can't do a, a liturgy by myself. I need at least uh, three people uh, with me to do uh, to consecrate the, the the bread and the wine as the body and blood of Christ. So I can't do a private liturgy or anything like that. Um, and I can only do one liturgy a day. I can't do more than one in a day. So um, Interesting. So, yeah. We asked Joe Day what pastors do in the home church. All right. Uh, what are the responsibilities of a pastor in your denomination? So the the main responsibilities, the people that pastors are the one that are caring for the people that they have, are held responsible for. You know, there's as as teachers, and I believe this to be true, not just for pastors, but for anybody who has been called to teach other people or to other people in the name of Christ that we are held to a higher standard than a person who has not been called into that, that role in that position and things like that. And so for, for us, we take that very seriously. So caring for those people that entrust us with their, um, you know, spiritual routine, as far as, you know, the, the worship service goes and all of those kinds of things into, in a, in a godly way, um, that is at the heart and soul of what it is that we, that we do. And it kind of goes on from. We asked Dr. Russell Moore how pastors function at the church he attends. Uh, Pastor, well, we have a, a congregation that has um, 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 several uh, different people who are uh, serving as pastors, along with one person who is um, the senior pastor uh, of the congregation, T.J. Timms. And then there are uh, others uh, within the congregation who also are preaching and teaching and and uh, leading. There are some of us, there are three of us, I think it's three of us, um, Ray Ortland, Sam Alberry, and, and me, um, who are uh, ministers in residence. So we, we are teachers um, within, the, within the congregation. Um, but it really is a, a very healthy uh, congregation of sort of avoiding um, 
avoiding only one person's gifts and contributions. And that's that's largely due to the fact that the founding pastor, Ray Ortland, and the current uh, senior pastor, T.J. Timms, both were really devoted to that from the very beginning. And uh, I think that's why it's one of the reasons why it's such a healthy congregation. Now we ask Pastor Will Rose what his job is as a pastor. Um, so a lot of people today will say that pastors are given, well, depending on what perspective you're give, coming from, pastors are given either too much responsibility or too much power for mm-hmm. one man. Um, how do you respond to that kind of critique of the role of pastors today? Yeah, I think it's a both and. It's kind of uh, pastoral expectations from the from the flock is that they maybe I'm the professional Christian in the midst, and so they take my lead from me, and that I'm the one who's supposed to be holy, and then they can do whatever they want throughout the week. That I <laughs> uh, that, but but um, um, and it kind of goes both ways. Like I I'm also. Uh, maybe the expectation of my flock would be that I serve on every single ministry team and that I'm at every single meeting in the church, uh, but also put me on a pedestal as being being the holiest one in their midst. And that's the narrative that we try not to to teach at and within my church because uh, Lutherans have uh, coming from Luther. Um, Luther had this understanding of theology of the priesthood of all believers. He saw this hierarchy within the church that the priests were the professional Christians or the ones who were in charge of most things. And he was like, no, once you're baptized into Christ, you have just as much authority uh, as a Christian, as someone who serves, as someone who ministers to their neighbor, as someone who's an ordained priest, ordained pastor. So this priesthood of all believers, we're all equal footing uh, when it comes to our spirituality and our faith and our discipleship. What my role is, is just called to a specific role of overseeing word and sacrament in my parish. So everyone has the authority authority to serve, to be, to be a Christian, to, to read the scripture, to interpret, to teach. Uh, I'm the one who kind of guides and tends the office of, of word and sacrament within, within the community of faith here at Holy Trinity. We also kind of asked some of our guests how they deal with the idea of burnout the pastor does too much. So in the in a lot of um, Protestant churches or the ones I'm familiar with, there's a, a huge concern that the pastor basically does everything, you know, takes care of the church, visits the sick, does the preaching, all of that. Um, how does how does that work in, in your tradition? Do the priests do everything or are they more confined to certain acts? So it depends on where you are um, in other parts of the country. Um, uh, I mean, other parts of the world, there's less of an emphasis on some of the other things. But here in the United States, I think informed by the model of pastoral ministry in the Protestant world, um, uh, a lot of people are expecting the priest to fill that role of taking care of everything. Now we do have people that are volunteers and we, you know, like people, you know, 
I'm not doing everything, but we are the ones who preach. We are the ones who teach. We do the blessings. We visit the sick. Um, you know, we do pastoral counseling and all of that. Now we do refer out to people. Like if someone is in need of more psychological care than spiritual care, like we'll find, well, you know, we do have, you know, perhaps parishioners or parishioners that can get them in touch with mm. the, the right type of uh, mental health care that they need uh, or, you know, physical care or something like that. Um uh, we do educational ministries like teaching, um, which is different than preaching. Um, uh, preaching is like preaching the gospel. Teaching can be teaching any number of things. Right now we're watching The Chosen <laughs> and I'm talking yeah. about like the, the, how gotcha. it compares to the scriptures or something like that. Um, and so we do end up doing a lot of the work uh, of ministry, but we do have people that are volunteers like our Sunday school program is run by volunteers our youth programs have a lot of volunteers um thank god we have a big church there's 1100 families so there's a lot of people around to do the work uh in some of the smaller churches like it falls heavily on the priest and oftentimes there's only one priest in a community Mm. um and we're blessed to have three priests but it's three priests in a community of 1100 families and our deacon is a a deacon with a lay profession our deacon is actually a a cpa and only serves liturgically and every once in a while if there's an an absolute necessity he'll go and visit people in the hospital because he can distribute communion um, at the hospital and, and offer prayers for people okay so how do you in those situations where the priests are kind of expected to do everything um how do you prevent burnout um that's the million dollar question i was just listening to <laughs> you hoping NPR you. today about uh, <laughs> about burnout and uh and ha- it's like someone who studies happiness and, and burnout and stuff like that um part of it is just you know having time uh for prayer um i think like if i have no if, if my my font is always empty um, because I'm not taking care of myself spiritually, uh, that I'll have nothing to offer. And so what can I offer if I'm not, you know, soaking up God's grace that he bestows on us through many different things, through prayer, through reading the scripture. I spend a lot of time in scripture. I, um, um, I'm there, you know, uh, a few, a couple hours a day, usually between the morning and the middle of the day and the evening I find that to be really um, power, a powerful means of staging, staving off, uh, uh, burnout, uh, taking vacation when I need to, um, taking advantage of my day off. Um, uh, yes, this is my day off, but I'm super excited. Like, like talking to people like that, I, that I care about that are, you know, important people in my life. Like that's not a difficult thing. Um, and a lot of times like, the things that I'm doing are energizing. Like I'm pretty introverted. So it's surprising that being around people gives me some energy, but by God's grace, like when I go to visit someone at the hospital or visit someone who's like a homebound person at home and they're just so overjoyed for me to be there, like I feel like I'm getting more out of it than they are. And I feel energized and I can feel God's presence. You know, we know that we see, um, see Christ in the face of our neighbor because he, uh, he has said that like uh, when we, we've done it to the least of these, his brethren, we've done it to him. And so when we, we're, when we are encountering the other, we're encountering him in, in that ministry. And by God's grace, we're, we're filled through that action as the other person is filled. It's kind of a mutual filling. Um, 
and so there's that. Um, but I think the big thing is just the, having good time management, uh, having boundaries. Um, uh, if right for me, I, I, I just me alone with my dog, and she spends most of her time with me. So, um, so she uh, she actually comes sometimes she comes on visits with me, and that's helpful too, and that's energizing as well to see people's faces light up with her. Um, but I knew uh, dogs were the answer. Yeah, dogs are the answer. They're great. Uh, my dissertation was on a monastery that uh, breeds uh, German shepherds and trains dogs oh, as awesome. part of their ministry. So I got to spend two months uh, with them and doing an ethnographic study of the monastery as part of my research. So, nice. um, so, uh, so that that's the ways I do it. I mean, uh, we do have to be mindful of it. Uh, I'm very particular about how I use my time off. Um, uh, I, I like learning. Like that's really ex- nice for me to do. I, I read. I, I stay connected with people that are important to me. I, sometimes I do like online uh, over the phone with good friends from from school or the past we do like book clubs on the phone or online or something like that uh where we're where, where i'm not responsible for like teaching it or leading it but just you know discussing it with them from my own experience so all of these are ways to keep myself filled so that uh i'm not burned out now it doesn't mean it doesn't happen there are some times when i'm just like about my wit's end and i just need to you know say i need a couple of days and the, the church is very gracious for that um, but that's good. Awesome. This is Sister Rose of the Catholic Campus Ministries at UNCW. Here's what she had to say about what all pastors do. And so, you know, we put a lot of responsibility on our pastors because our pastors have to be administrators. <laughs> they have to be architects. They have to be, you know, human resource people. They need to be past the uh, pastoral leaders. <laughs> Uh, yeah. they, you know, there's so many, if there's a school associated with the, the parish, they have to be responsible for the school. And so pastors, especially the smart ones, rely on the gifts of the laity. Oh, yeah. Because it's Amen. together that we, we, we build the body of Christ. Or we yeah. are the body of Christ. We don't build it. We are the body of Christ. We asked Pastor Gary how he deals with burnout at his church or how he prevents burnout at his church. Yeah, that's a biggie. Um, it depends on what your church is like. In our church, as you well know, we're blessed to have uh, other pastors. Mm-hmm. So I have what I believe is the finest administrative pastor in the world. And um he takes care of just what I said. A lot of the administrative duties of our local church fall under his purview, if you will. In fact, if we went over to his office right now, his desk is covered with stuff. We call him the working pastor because it never ends, the things he has to deal with. His job really is to keep a lot of that off my plate. Okay, I have another pastor that oversees our mission house. He's almost we talked about the gift of an apostle earlier. In my mind, he is a small a apostle. He's a big picture Christian. He sees things beyond just our scope. So he handles a lot of those, those issues for me. Okay. We have others, uh, another pastor that deals with our children's ministry. This doesn't mean I'm not concerned with all of these things, but it just means that's not on my plate. If I was at some churches in our group, I would be the only pastor. 
That would mean everything I just mentioned to you would be mine. I'd have to have either some lay person, as we spoke of earlier again, to come and fill that void, which God does often, or I'm going to have to fulfill it and do that role, and God's going to have to help me do the best I can. The main role, the way I see it, and I see this from Scripture, is that my job is the Word of God, and my job is prayer, okay? I had a layperson one time tell me, I was out working in the churchyard, and he said, we got a bunch of guys can cut the grass. <laughs> he said, we've only got one guy that's going to preach to us Sunday. My main job is the Word of God and prayer. Now, there's a ton of other things I've got to do, but that's I believe, has to be my main focus. Again, Josh, I think the great danger in the church is when that becomes somewhere down the list for the pastor. And all these other things take priority over the word and prayer. I believe the word and prayer, if you get, it's like buttoning your shirt. If you've ever misbuttoned one. <laughs> all you, the time. <laughs> you, you keep going down and it's never going to fix itself. You're going to have to go all the way back up to that button that you missed, get it right, and then start over. I believe if the pastor gets the word out of place, prayer out of place in his study and in his value system, everything else gets out of line. I don't care how good he is at it. The, the great call to the preacher is preach the word, feed the flock of God. And those are the things I think are vital for the pastor. So listening to those clips again, uh, do you believe we expect too much from pastors or that pastors should only be focused on preaching and teaching and maybe administering the sacraments? Okay. Uh, yes, I think that we expect too much from pastors. No, I don't think that should be all they're doing. Um, you know, I think pastors main thing is giving people guidance in life decision um, I wouldn't even say it's preaching and teaching. You know, I think pastor's job is mainly giving people direction. You know, if I'm confused what I need to do in life, I should be able to turn to the pastor of our church for guidance in that. And I think that's the main job there. Um, but that being said, you know, a lot of times we expect our pastors to do hospital visits, to come to every birthday party, every New Year's thing that we do, um, preach three times a week. We expect them to work 60 hour jobs. And right, I mean, right now, I think it was the average that a pastor works in America is between 50 and 60 hours. And people just shouldn't be working that much. I know they're not the only occupation that works that much, but that's a lot of that's a lot of work. Right. They are. And, uh, one and of honestly, the few that works that much and sometimes has to get another job because they can't make enough money from that job. From some of the poorer denominations, at least like us. Oh, yeah. And then that number's kind of thrown off too. Um, your really big churches, pastors probably are able to work 40 hours because they have plenty of people helping. But a lot of times you're not, not even your real small church. A lot of times your real small churches are really good of everybody kind of pulling their load. But you have those where that's like that 50-ish range, which most churches are around 50 to 70 people. Those churches are the ones where the pastor is doing a lot more than that 50 to 60 hours. The other churches are just kind of bringing the average down. Right. Yeah. Uh, so what, what do you think TJ would be some clues that 
you or your pastor might be experiencing burnout. Like if someone listening is a pastor or is doing some work like that, how do you know if you're experiencing burnout? So I think uh, if you are a pastor, uh, you will have that, you know, that drive, that fire to go out, preach the word, help others. And I think when that stops being exciting for you, you might be experiencing a little burnout. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty solid reason. Like that's uh, pretty clear when you're not looking forward to things. That's a good sign. Yeah. Um, what should we do about that? So <laughs> if someone is feeling that way, like what, what can they do? Well, uh, you know, it's good to take some you time. I think it was Pastor Will that said it. Uh, take a little time off. Do something that'll get you energized, get you motivated for it again. And that's all I can really help you with. Uh, unless you send me a very detailed biography of yourself, then maybe we can work something out. <laughs> uh, but yeah. It's really about um, knowing yourself and knowing what to do. Yeah. Or asking God for those who, yeah. for those who aren't the pastor, check on your pastor, see how they're doing and see how you can help your church. You know, um, pastors are less likely to experience burnout when they're at a church where people are helping. Like uh, pastor Gary talked about all the help that he has at our church. That really does. It changes things. I, I forget. Was it 60% increase? There's a huge increase of how many pastors have quit this year because of this kind of stuff with pandemic and everything else going on. They're just doing too much. Um, so what clues TJ would there be if someone was called to, help in some way at their church, whether it be as part of a pastoral team or just doing administrative stuff. Right. Well, in my experience, I think if you're being called to it, you probably aren't the only person there that knows you're being called to it and they'll let you know. Believe me, probably they'll let you true. know, <laughs> at least if you're, you know, <laughs> in, a, in a church like ours, they'll let you know. Uh, mm -hmm. But if not, it's just you'll have the desire to stand up and say, like, man, I would love to do this for a day or I would love to try this. Like, I want to be speaking to the people. I want to offer guidance. If you have those thoughts, probably a good sign. Yeah. yeah. And uh, as far as like some of the other stuff goes, uh, if you're good at administrative work and your church need administrative stuff be to be done. That's a solid sign that you're supposed to be helping. <laughs> right. So next, finally, uh, we ask our guests how they could best relate to pastors or priests of other traditions. Naturally, when we talk about this level of leadership, our guests seemed a little more cautious in how they would allow other pastors to interact with the members of their local congregations. Uh, here are those clips. We asked Pastor Will how he could relate to pastors of other traditions. Great. One last question for the uh, the role of pastor for the Lutheran Church. Um, could you respect the authority of a pastor from another denomination? And do you expect people from other denominations to expect your authority as a pastor? 
Sure. You know, uh, I, the Lutheran Church ordains laying on of hands and puts the stole around me and calls me to a specific um, office of pastor within the Lutheran Church. So I would understand if perhaps another denomination, um, Christian tradition that's not Lutheran would want to ask me a few questions before I preached in their um in their sanctuary or their church. Uh, but I but I think most pastors of other denominations that I come in contact with, we definitely would never, I don't know, I'm gonna say never, but, but they understand that I am a, a pastor and that's my role and function within this church. So they see me as a pastor in their midst too. Um, again, it's, there's a, the big spectrum of, um, understanding where we're coming from in turn in terms of interpretation of scripture and men and women in ministry those kinds of things again within my tradition uh women are ordained as pastors so there's uh, female pastors within my tradition uh so i would hope that they would see my authority or role as pastor i hope that they would see uh, a woman as well but but we know that there's differences interpretations of scripture when it comes to that yeah um what about people from other denominations? If a pastor from a Southern Baptist church, for example, were to request speaking at your church, would that be permissible or how would that go down? Yeah, absolutely. Again, um, I'm not going to just welcome any stranger off the street to come in and preach whatever their <laughs> yeah. opinion is on things. It would have to be a relationship that you understand because, again, I'm, I'm tending to my flock and I wouldn't want someone just to come in and spiritually abuse my flock or what I would consider spiritual abuse or spiritual terrorism. Just kind of walk in and and be super judgmental towards not that someone from a Southern Baptist Church, that that's what they would lean towards. But anybody who would just come off the street to preach and teach, I hope that we would have a relationship and they would feel welcomed and inviting and understand that our context of ministry is uh, on the foot, on the doorstep of a university, uh, that we have, we're cross-generational, that we are an opening and welcoming congregation, that we have female pastors, those, those kinds of elements. They would understand who we are before and understand our context before just uh uh, sharpening their own acts or their own point of view of things. And I would do the same in somebody else's church. If I was invited to another church um, of a different denomination, I would get to know them a little better and talk to that pastor and understand what their blessings are and struggles are and what, what they would like me to say and do um, when it comes to preaching, what's helpful to the building up of that community of faith. Awesome. We asked Pastor Gary Atkins the same thing. Pastor Gary, um, that's kind of a, a specific thing, but just to kind of pick your brain. If a member of your congregation uh, found out that their neighbor was a pastor of mm -hmm. a different denomination, mm -hmm. and you know they were asking him questions and learning things, and he was kind of guiding them in a certain way, pastoring, if you will, yeah. When would that cause concern for you? Oh, now, if I'm, I might have missed what you said. Were you Was this a good person, a good Christian pastor? Well, that's what I'm waiting for you to investigate. <laughs> oh, 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 you would, you would you gotta you investigate here. Oh, okay, oh, I see what it's you're saying. It's a mystery. <laughs> well, I've had that. You and I have talked about different things. You had mentioned earlier where you're 
seeking out a, a, a different church, maybe closer to where you are and, and different calling on your life right now. And one of the things I told you, and we talked about some things, I gave you counsel about some churches. I also told you, man, you got to look for these things You make sure they're solid in this. Find out their belief system, find out their doctrinal statements, do your homework, figure out who you're dealing with. Um, if I had an individual saying, hey, I'm getting some counsel from this person, if I know the person or I know the church organization, I could feel good and say, praise the Lord, get all you can get. I got no jealousy over that, okay? But if I had some concern, I would do some research, maybe online, get online, look at their church, listen to some of their sermons, read their material. And I've done that many times in the past for people that asked me questions and came back and gave them an honest report. Sometimes it was great. Hallelujah. In fact, I started watching some of the sermons from some of these churches because they were feeding my soul. But sadly, on some other situations, I've had to say they teach, I believe, error in this area. You're going to have to back off there. You need to be careful. This is once again Professor Chris Moreland, a professor at, of world religion at UNCW and a member of the Catholic Church. Right, gotcha. Uh, can you respect the authority of a pastor from another denomination, and would you expect people from other denominations to respect the authority of pastors from your church? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I would say that there I would be interested and there would probably be a higher level of respect given to someone who had uh, a degree or conversely, a very long proven track record of experience, because in the Western world, we're very lucky to be able to get degrees We're very lucky to be able to go to school. But many most Christians in the world are very poor, um, which everyone seems to forget. And not everyone has access to that. Not everyone mm -hmm. has access to that. So, but at least within the confines of the Western world, um, I mean, anyone can call themselves a pastor, uh, but there's certain distinguishing characteristics that make one a pastor. Um, so yes, there would be there would be professional courtesy, and just as with the deacons, I would say there would be a bit of a higher level of consideration in terms of. Um, in terms of regard to those that are ordained as opposed to being elected or as opposed to being self-appointed. Finally, this is what Joe Day had to say about how he could relate to pastors of other traditions. Can you respect the authority of a pastor from another denomination and do you expect the same? Yes, um, I really, I, I, I've, if you would have asked me this very same question right after I got saved, I probably would have given you a much more linear than what I'm about. Meaning it had to look a very specific kind of way. Um, I was still part of the non-denominational uh, denomination of Christianity. Um, so, and I just, I very much had an archetype in my mind and it had to do that, it, or it had to live up to that. And if honestly, if you were to realistically look at that archetype, you would think I was describing a Baptist leaning American non-denominational pastor that you would think of in a stereotypical. 
Um, all of that to say, I think that there are so many different denominations with so many different pastors that do it differently, still within the, the, the confines and guidelines and guardrails of scripture and having it be biblically accurate and all of the things that need to be ordered for it to be biblical. And I think that you can have all of that and still look wildly different. You know, I, I'm taken to Pastor Will, where if you get he and I together in a room, we're going to have two very different teaching styles, two very different approaches, and we have two very different approaches to church setup and to what's needed and all of those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, he's still a shepherd of his flock that he's been there that he is held accountable for. And he is still a man who's striving to be after God's own heart. Yeah, so listening to that again, I do have really high hopes for church unity to be recognized in our time. Um, people are open to it. People want to see it happen. Um, my, my thing is, it's going to start with the local congregations. If you can't get your church united, we're not going to get the big C, whole church, to be united either. So the biggest obstacle really is that pastoral, that pastoral burnout and congregational laziness. If you're not doing your part and if your pastor is doing too much, your church can't be healthy. And if your church isn't healthy, we can't get the whole church on track. Um, so TJ, how do you think we could start moving in that direction where pastors feel less pressure to do literally everything and can kind of focus on their own roles? Well, I think that's really up to the congregation uh, not even necessarily the lay people foreshadowing. Uh, but reach out to your <laughs> pastor, see if they need help, uh, see how you can assist them in the church, out of the church, whatever it is. Uh, and I think that would go a really long way. Yeah. And when we say pastor in these contexts, we mean pastor, teacher, preacher, priest, whatever you call them. Priest. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Shepherd. Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. Right. So what actions do you think we can all take this week to better maintain Christian unity concerning this church office of the pastorship? Priesthood. Uh, yeah. Like we just, what we already said, go to your pastor, ask him how you can help. We are all called to help in some way, whether you know how you're supposed to help, that's a different story, but you are called to help. Could you pastor ask how you can do it? Right. And, and what do you think we would see change if it, everyone started doing that? Yeah. Again, uh, I just think your churches will become healthy. And as our individual churches are healthy and as pastors have more time to reach out to other pastors, we'll see greater church unity amongst different churches. Um, what would you say to that, DJ? What, how do you think things could be different? Uh, yeah, I mean, we already covered it. That was my thought. So. It's all right. Will is a good yeah. one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I do think 
<laughs> Most pastors would uh, appreciate the load off, maybe buckle down on their sermons, which you know could be lacking depending on their workload. Uh, you know, things would change for the better, definitely. And uh, we all buy your pastor a steak. Fire pastor a steak. They all like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Me personally, I got a whole bunch of steak today because they sent too much to our <laughs> store and now it's at my house. But anyway. Nice. Yeah, it is. Uh, we always like to start the end of our show with our God moment segment. Uh, we just like to take a minute to share what all God has been up to with us recently by sharing a blessing, a challenge, moment of worship, anything along those lines. And I always make Josh go first. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. That's that's not a good one, is it? Um, tomorrow is Ash Wednesday. And my God moment is just... I, I've been challenged to try and figure out how I can express my worship during Lent. I don't really ever do anything for Lent, but I'm like, you know... I feel like I should be doing something during this season. So I uh, just kind of challenge with that. Yeah. Going the challenge route this week. All right, TJ, what about you? Man, if you've heard our other podcast, this will make a lot more sense to you. But it's called Systematic Geekology. And uh, this game called Elden Ring came out recently. And I have not felt as motivated to play a game like that one in so long, like probably six years, five or six years. It is incredible. Uh, It's a blessing. I'm not, you know, not the game itself, but the returned motivation for me to play it. I'm very thankful for because it is a huge game. I've played for 35 hours since it came out. And it came out Gosh. Thursday. That's crazy. Which is what, what was the last not that many hours? Uh, you know, six-ish. It was just a bunch of games that I would be willing to sit down and play for a very long time. Okay, I wasn't sure if you were talking yeah. about Smash Bros. Because like that was not six years ago. No. No, it's not like this. I mean, I've played Elden Ring for like thirteen hours on Sunday. So, felt good to get back to my roots, nice. you know? But if you enjoyed yeah. this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend. Also, we would love to hear your God moments. Uh, you can leave them for us on social media, email us, text us. Josh's number is... Uh, and, uh, 8675309. Yeah. Uh, please consider sharing it with a friend or an enemy. You can also share it with a cousin. You always have that choice. And thank you for listening. Yeah, uh, and you could listen to us talk more. Uh, you can listen to TJ talk more about Elden Ring or Dying Light 2. Yeah, all kinds of other video games at systematicgeekology.org. That's just our other podcast where we talk about geek stuff and how it relates to our faith. So if you want to check that out, do so. All right, and like I said, thank you for listening to the Whole Church Podcast. Uh, tune back in next week for part four of our Church Offices series where we will discuss the Office of the Bishop. Uh, following that will be the office of the apostle then after we complete this series we will have two weeks off before returning to our normal format and at the end of season one 
Francis Chan will be joining us. Yeah, he doesn't know it, but he will. Right. Season yeah. one will not We're end until he is on the show. But thank you for I hope your you time, hear this, Francis. Right. Thank you for your time. Join us next week. Thank you all for listening to the Whole Church Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please consider helping sponsor the show at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast. Be sure to come back next week when we'll talk about the church office of the bishop.